Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon. My name is Ryan Miner, and you are listening to a Minor Detail brought to you today by Avenel Strategies, our new friends, our new partners in our this radio show, which we kicked off a year ago, around this time last year, and uh, we've been very blessed by uh, the amount of listenership. And uh, tonight I have two very close personal friends with me. I have Eric Moranga and I have Andrew Naring, who are partners, uh, the founding partners with Avenel Strategies. Hey guys, welcome to the show. We're going to talk about the CD6 debate tonight, um, but uh, I want to intro our uh, in the debate and premise this with a few thoughts about Avenel Strategies and what it means for the state of Maryland and elsewhere. Absolutely. Um, I'll go ahead and start off with a little bio on Avenel Strategies. Um, By the way, this is Eric. This, yeah, this is Eric speaking here. It's <laughs> kind of my first time doing radio, um, but bear with me. Um, so we started Avenel late 2014, uh, just Andrew and I, and th- it all started um, with our past political experience. We had worked on campaigns and for firms around the country, and we had just saw a, a gross inefficiency in the way uh, campaigns were being ran. Money was coming and, and being used very inefficiently, and we just thought that we could do it better and at a cheaper price mm-hmm. and, and provide really a better service for clients. Um, and this, this came on the heels of the, of the last election of 14. Andrew had spent time in North Carolina with Tom Tillis. Uh, we both worked in North Dakota on a ballot measure. So we had done a few things um, up and down the country. And when we returned, we decided... Tom Tillis, who uh, who won, by the way. Tom Tillis did. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so that that was that was uh, when we reconvened. We we kind of decided that we should do this ourselves. That's when Avenal Strategies was born. Yeah. Um, and we decided that we could provide a better service at a cheaper price, and that's kind of where we we moved forward with that. Um, as, as for where we are now, we're about a year old. Um, you guys started in what? December 2014. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, so this is. I remember when you guys first kicked this off, <laughs> and it was like I saw it all over my feed, and I'm like, wow, these are two really talented guys that are opening this company, an LLC. They're 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 making it on their own, and I I have to tell you, I mean, I I watched this thing explode in the last year, and you guys have been like everywhere. You're all over Frederick. You guys are tearing it up on the political scene. But not only that, um, you, the Avenel Strategies has a product that uh, has been branching on into the small business front, mm-hmm. and that really separates Avenel uh, versus other political consulting firms right. because you're not binary. You're not stuck just in the political consulting right. sphere. Well, that's something that we wanted to be you know, sure of. We both come from entrepreneurial backgrounds with tech companies. So we wanted to bring sort of the political standpoint of what we have as a consulting basis, what our experience was. And then we wanted to move that into a tech side of the company, which is why we came out with the digital advertising platform that we have with IP targeting, True IP. Uh, we have our True Audience, which also goes with our True IP. We have our data standpoint to match back our data with our national voter files, our donor files, and our other 30,000 pinpointed points of data to access to use that to better target your uh, your customer or your voter in the sense of politics. You know, piggybacking off of that, you know, not just being a political firm, we wanted to really kind of kind of be both. Not in the sense of we wanted to try and be both, but we wanted to be on the business standpoint, the political standpoint, and from a text perspective as well. And going from you know where we've built as a tech company and as a political consulting firm, you know, it brings me to my next point. You know, we wanted to really bring the firm, you know, since we are a tech company, we have different sort of ways to broadcast our, our reach. And we wanted to be able to reach people in a way that was the best of our ability. So we needed a, a media way. We needed a PR sort of a... And that leads me to my next point of there was no better person to pick than my good friend sitting right next to me here, Ryan Miner, as our newest partner and director of public affairs. Yep, so we're... Job offer? I think it is. Okay. <laughs> guys, this is... It thank, might be an interview. <laughs> no. Maybe so. Uh, thanks, guys. And um, this is... I, I mean, I'm really... I, I can't tell you the, the how much energy and passion that I am looking forward to working with you um, and the other members of the team, but I mean, we really have uh, an opportunity here, and I, I am so humble that you guys 
thought about, you know, how I could be um, part of this team. And look, I am going to give. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna build this and continue to to be a um, a pioneer in mm-hmm. this in the industry because we I'm for for business and this is like a dream come true. I've always wanted to start my own business or be part of a business that is a startup. Mm-hmm. I mean, my my stepfather did it. When he was 23, 24, he started his own heating and air conditioning company, and I've even had the, the opportunity to work for him. And I just I see the amount of freedom and flexibility, but I see the pride that he has built. I mean, and this company, I mean, hey, when we have you know kids one day, I hope we can pass this legacy on. I absolutely do too. Exactly, and, and it's been a journey. So when we first started. You know, we were all frustrated just to be not because we didn't get the respect that you know, or, or people didn't listen to us per se. But you know, I guess we've just had to put in the work, and so people can see what we're yeah. about, and and to to kind of produce an established product that people can trust in. You know, I guess it was a little naive of us to believe we could go and save the world and <laughs> and, and and do all the political things we could do as such a young company. But we've earned the respect of our peers. We've gone out of state to do business, and we kind of want to come back and do more business in Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and bringing Ryan onto the team uh, will we'll do that. Will we'll give us a, a new platform to, to, to grow. And I only think that this will be uh, do wonders for, for the future of Avenel. Home base for us is in Frederick. Frederick, Maryland. That's right. And we're, we're working a satellite outside of my home mm-hmm. in Montgomery County. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be working from there. And, um, you know, we can't give you our strategy here because <laughs> that would be sort of counter. But uh, I can tell you that we have many exciting uh, projects in the works Absolutely. for 2016. And if you want to get any more information about what we're talking about here, just feel free to visit our website, abnellstrategies.com. Yeah, we're, we're very easy to contact. Get on the website, shoot us an email, call us. Our phones are all by our sides, and, and that's, that's, that's the whole behind Avenel. We're not a DC-based company, and our, our, our thought process is that campaigns, big campaigns, doesn't matter. Um, we, we want you to come out to the farm, like we call it, you know, come out to Frederick County, mm-hmm. come in and, and learn that we are about your campaign. We're not going to tell you how to run a campaign with the, with the DC mantra mm-hmm. and, and kind of the... Nobody will. You know, because guys don't, you know, we're different, and we want you guys to experience the difference that, that, uh, that, that good leadership and the positive strategy can lead to so and that's um, something that we sort of when we founded the firm we we noticed you know working with smaller elections and campaigns that these bigger dc firms they were they have big minimum buys different types of you know criteria that you have to meet in order small to small campaigns a can't can't keep up with it and they can't afford it so yeah. we wanted to bring a platform that you could have the same type of dc firm that's not going to tell you what to do that's just going to do what you need to do to win and that's going to be able to provide you that type of presidential campaign service on the state level and on a on a level. Well, they have a boilerplate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course, of course. You know, with with Avenel, we're going to individually hone every campaign. So we have. Oh, hey, Mark Shaft just came over. Hey, Mark. Good morning. Mark is the president of the Republican Club of Frederick County. Want to yeah, talk? Sure. Okay. <laughs> the more, the merrier. I mean, we have. We're doing a live radio show, and Jeff is here tonight to watch the debate, and we're talking about, and with that, gentlemen, is are we safe to go into the debate part now? Oh, we're safe to go into Okay. Just well, be sure to we, check we, out We've Abbott done our plug, and uh, now, now on to, the, to why we're here. And we have everybody's favorite Republican, Alero, over there. <laughs> <laughs> He's Montgomery County's most active volunteer for the Republicans. <laughs> So um, yeah, so here we're look. We're here tonight at the Gaithersburg Holiday Inn, and we're talking about the Republican congressional debate. And there is eight candidates who have signed up in on the by the way on the Maryland uh, elections website, which is the Maryland State Board of Elections. So eight candidates, and it kind of reminds me of the 2012 primary when Roscoe Bartlett ran for his last time. He ran, and he unfortunately lost, and the he bested him in the in the general election, and so we had a great candidate last time, Dan Bongino. He came pretty close to winning. I mean, guys, it was what like two thousand hundred votes. Yeah, and uh, who knows where those could be made up. And so this campaign is in full swing. We have so look, we'll go down the list of candidates. We have Republican Terry Baker, 
from Washington County. He's a three-term county commissioner. And we have Delegate David Vogt, who is a first-year delegate, a freshman delegate in the Maryland House of Delegates from District 4. Is that – you guys work – you guys worked up in District 4. Yes, we did. Yeah. Yeah. And Mark – Mark knows Frederick better than anybody. Right, Mark? I would say so. Yeah, almost. <laughs> almost. There's only one person. He's the Cindy, uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> Cindy, Sha- his his beautiful, wonderful wife, Cindy Schaff, is uh, she's the kingpin up there. But uh, and his wife, your wife Cindy, is also on the um, um, committee. And uh, you guys were uh, big volunteers. You helped them a lot. In fact, did did you run his Frederick operation? No, that that was the Senate. Okay. That was Cindy. Eric, no, Eric ran Frederick last time. I was working on Wendy Peters. Okay, yeah. Um, Mark used to work for Wendy Peters, and who's now the deputy undersecretary of the Department of Planning. Correct. So, yeah, she's she, – we won't go into that, but uh, that was a – well, we won't go into that. But uh, So, like I said, we have Delegate David Vogt, Terry Baker, Ami Hober, who's a national security expert consultant and former – um, Deputy Undersecretary of the Army in the uh, at the Pentagon. Uh, we have um, Robin Ficker, who is, has run for uh, and served in the House of Delegates um, in the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, Montgomery, he's also a Montgomery County Republican activist. Uh, we have Dr. Scott Chang, who I think he ran last time for the Maryland House of Delegates. Um, PhD, very smart guy. Um, and we also have, let's see, Chris Mason, Chris Mason a, a former Marine and someone who is uh, Fort Detrick. So, talk about Chris. I've interviewed him one time, but uh, I'm hoping to, to learn more today. And then, of course, we have uh, Frank Howard, who is a, a businessman, the former president of Change Montgomery County, um, a smart guy, a nice guy, and Really hard on the grassroots to uh, to go out and win this race. So, um, did I miss anyone? I don't think I did. Nope. Oh, Harold Painter. I'm sorry, Harold, accountant, um, and originally from Cumberland, Maryland. Smart guy. He has a lot of good out there. He ran last time in the Republican primary, and um, he was beat by Dan Bongino. He earned almost 5,000 votes, so it was pretty close. uh, actually, not close at all. Just kidding. Um, Harold's a great guy, and uh, I think that uh, you'll see some real substance coming out of him tonight. So, guys, we we have a debate. We're all sort of anxious, interested to hear what the candidates have to say. Um, and I know that they've all been preparing in earnest for this debate, and I'm sure they've all practiced up, and you know they're ready to do their one minute opening. <laughs> and they're one-minute closing speeches, and they're probably nervous and anxious. And if you've ever done a forum before, it's very nerve-wracking. When I ran for the Board of Education, i got to tell you, when we did these forums, it's, it's, you put in a lot of preparation. I put hours in, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, sure the other, I'm sure the candidates you see here tonight will do the same. Um, so, Eric, what do you think? What are you expecting tonight? Um, what's, what are your thoughts on the, the race in general? Um, well, I mean, for now, we kind of already know – you know, in our minds, who the front runners are, and we have those uh, ideas in our head based on who's got what money, what moves are being made. Um, I, I expect uh, a pretty good debate, and, and, and the, moving something I'd want to hear actually is, is is what our panelists have for voters in Western Maryland, kind of what they're thinking. I want to, you know, if that's a question I'll get to ask, you know, um, that would be important to see who, which kind of candidates are are. Doing um, their due diligence out in Western Maryland and what kind of things they're doing to attract voters out in Western Maryland, um, Frederick County. So that if there's a question to be asked, I think I would ask that question. Eric, uh, you you know Western Maryland. You've worked there. You worked for dele- then delegate. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, then delegate Huff uh, on his campaign, and then Andrew, you know Western Maryland very well. Um, so what do we expect i mean do we ex- i mean this is a district that has been heavily gerrymandered gerrymandered by the maryland democrats uh they did it so they would pick off one congressman because we used to have we used to have a couple republican congressmen um uh, you remember, remember connie morella back yeah. in and then we had um now we have andy harris is our only republican congressman 
in the state of Maryland. And in fact, between him and the governor, they're the highest elected officials uh, in the state of Maryland uh, as far as Republican goes. And it's great we do have a governor that is a Republican who's doing a great job. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, this is a seat that even the National Party, they're looking okay, Dan came really close last time, but it's going to take a lot of money. Because John Delaney, we know, is a multimillionaire, former CEO, a very wealthy man, um, and he's taken a moderate approach, or trying, or ostensibly he's trying to take a moderate approach in the United States House of Representatives. But Andrew, his voting record doesn't always reflect that, does no, it? No, it doesn't. Especially his latest tweet, I believe, that I saw on your post uh, mm-hmm. last night about the uh, gun control measures that President Obama yeah. is taking. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's a very tight race. I mean, I know that he may be thinking, you know, he's got it in the bag looking at the Cook political rating and the PBI there being plus four Democrat. But this election was lost by 2,700 votes. And well, those votes can be made up in some of the most smallest incremental places like Frederick City, for example, that yeah. we lost. I mean, there's there's tons of room here for a Republican to take over. It's just got to be done and the best way that it's going to respond to Western Maryland. And that's why, you know... People want to let go of Garrett County, Allegheny, and Washington. Washington County carries a big, significant number oh, sure. of the votes. Which and they should not look away from those counties. Good point, Andrew. They cannot. Uh, they have to target Garrett County, mm-hmm. Allegheny County, which are two very rural counties in the in Western Maryland, and then of course Washington County, which uh, it seems the, the the eastern more the more east you go, the more people, of course, and. Uh, Washington County has about 140,000 people, but active voters between 40 to 80,000, just depending on the election. I'm sorry, Andrew just gave me the. Uh, I mean, if you look, Washington County had more votes than Frederick County. Did. Yeah. So I mean, if you want to look, it 38,000, 35,000 in Frederick and 38,000 in Washington County. And Baker got more votes in Bongino. Yeah, I mean, and then you got you know 3,900 of those votes are right. Yeah, if, if there's one candidates. thing to learn from the Bongino election, it's it's not to to to, to discount what what's going on in Western Maryland mm-hmm. from Frederick County outwards. And it's going to be a dyna- different dynamic with president. It's a it's a presidential it's a presidential year. We expect more turnout from from D's as well. Um, and that's that's the difference between Bongino and and, and this election. But the yeah. thing is, is is Delaney the pick for Democrats still? Yes. Yeah. Now Democratic yeah. turnout may be lower, so that's something to think about. They're not as enthused. The base isn't as. Enthused. But some Democrats, I should mention, they think that John Delaney is too moderate. Yeah. You know, they think that he is he is too far to. Liking. You're gonna have a lot of Democrats because you by his name. Yeah. Push that. The Republican side—that won't happen. That's right. That's right. Do you, do you do you think that a lot of Republicans? For I mean, do you think that some some Democrats crossed over and voted for Dan? It had to be I mean, not as many as for for Hogan, but yeah, there was some. Where can the votes be made up, Mark? Can it be made up in Frederick City? Frederick City is one of the biggest places we lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And where where can the Republicans? And once we get to the general election and sort out. Who our candidate's going to be? Where can we find? I mean, where can they pick up where Dan left off? Is it in Fredericksburg? Well, it's going to have to be all over, you know, all over, all over the district. They're going to have to, you know, you're hearing rumblings where people in western Western Maryland won't carry out. You won't vote for somebody from Montgomery County because they don't know. I don't believe that though. I understand what you're. But when you look at the district, you look at a map of the district. It's Montgomery County. And then the counties west, right. yeah. and, and all people think CD six is is Montgomery County, and you have Precisely. to respect the, the everything yeah, west of that. You have to pay attention to the voters out there yep. in Frederick City and and, and be everywhere. Yeah. Uh, well, what's the chunk of Montgomery County? I mean, when they redistricted, they did it strategically. Mm-hmm. They put many, many, many Democrats inside the sixth district, which carries Delaney over the the threshold. That's why, you know, they're gonna have to pay attention. You have to get every vote in Montgomery County as well as West Frederick. Exactly, it'll take a full effort because Delaney's not going to be getting votes from Western. I mean, he will, but it won't be at the same level. Andrew, you have the numbers. Well, but if you look at Bongino, he won Washington County, he won Garrett County, and he won Allegheny County. (laughs) Now, if all he did, now Delaney won Frederick. If if we get another five percent of the voter populace in Frederick County, Frederick County. 
election with a, a, a 5% increase. That's the 2,000 votes that we needed was from Frederick County. You can, you know, Montgomery County, you're almost not going to win. I mean, Delaney won 67 to 37. Do you think the that... The votes are here, though. The okay. votes are here. They're there. You just have to get the Montgomery County votes because... Um, Which is upper Montgomery County. Correct. Where we live in North Potomac, that, that is ripe. Gaithersburg, Germantown, Darnstown, mm-hmm. Clarksburg, blue collar uh, Montgomery, yeah, um, Poolsville, right, yeah, especially. I mean, there's a lot of re- most consolidated and up county, yeah. Yeah, and you are. know they're spread out. Some in Rockville, there's, I mean, but listen, in Montgomery County, there's like two Republicans who are elected officials. There's Gaithersburg City Councilman Henry Marafa Jr. Yeah. and there's Tommy Rodriguez, <laughs> our friend Tommy. <laughs> so. Okay. Who's gonna? Who is leading, guys? Who do you? Who do you see right now, based upon what you know, the race, the amount of money raised thus far, grassroots infrastructure, media, social media, and all the basic metrics that you look at when we are measuring, when you when you sit down to a client and you say, okay, let's let's put all this on paper, on paper, right now, who is leading? the Republican nomination for the Maryland 6th Congressional District? Um, I mean, I, I would say on the basic metrics that, you know, we used to money um, being the number one, you know, it would have to be the Hober campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, between the super PACs of supporting them um, and the campaign itself, you know, she, it's no secret, also has some wealth behind her. She has a staff who she's paying. Some some of those things can't be said for other campaigns. So let's just go ahead and say straight up that it is the Hobart campaign who, mm-hmm. um, on paper, looks like they are leading. Right. Andrew, uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you know, like Eric said, on paper, you know, the Hogan campaign obviously is raising a tremendous amount of money. So that gives them a tremendous amount of pull inside the election to do things that other candidates aren't going to be able to do. And, you know, looking... At it from that angle, I think that my number two right now is is hanging between Frank Howard and David Vogt as the other frontrunner. So it's sort of uh, it's it's a three man pony show right now that I can see. But Hober is definitely uh, putting herself ahead of the game. She's everywhere. Too. She's everywhere. I mean, you just she's look at her face. She's up in Frederick City. She's mm-hmm. up in Western Maryland. She's uh, she seems to be everywhere. I mean, she's actually has. And you and, and you mentioned she has a staff. She does have a staff. Um, I've gone through some of the FEC records uh, for the end of last year. Um, the new ones for this year aren't out yet. She has a campaign manager um, who I've met before. Her name is Lauren Groover. And, you know, I, according to the, the, the FEC record, she's been paid $5,000 um, for at least one payment. So I'm, I don't know if that's uh, weekly or monthly, probably monthly. Um, as the new records come out, we're going to continue to see how much she's getting paid. She has a staff. She has a digital agency. Some of the other firms just simply don't have. Uh, I'm sorry. Some of the other c- candidates simply don't have these firms um, or the resources. behind them, or the resources behind them to do so. So, yeah, I, she, Ami definitely has the resources. She has put, um, she has put in her own money, and she has raised money because she's been a longtime official uh, near DC. And you, as you mentioned, there is a super PAC. It's called Maryland PAC USA. That is supporting AMI. And um, I don't see the other candidates that have a super PAC. And now some of the other there, – there's one candidate that has been aggressive, that has been, I would say, attacking some of AMI's – you know, the, the, being the front runner, it's not – you know, hey, it comes with the – comes, with, uh, the territory. comes <laughs> with the territory. And some, some of the, some of the candidate, one candidate in particular has been attacking um, AMI for having a super PAC. I mean, it, it should speak volumes about whether or not you have an individual organization or a bunch of individuals that want to start a pack on someone else's behalf. That should speak volumes to that. There's a group of people, probably very wealthy people, who believe in Ami that she's the best direction. If other candidates, people want to believe in them, they can create super packs for them too. How much? But, how much did Dan Bongino raise last time, Mark? <laughs> I was, I, I never he got a lot of small donations. Well, yeah, most of his donations were small. There were there was, there was probably some packed money, but not much. Uh, and he didn't get the support of the party. No, no, no. The national party, the national yeah, Republican the national party, yeah. you know, local party supported him. But but this time, Ami Hober has been named what they call a young gun, right. 
And that means that someone who has the fundraising prowess to raise the money and they add them to the list, I guess it means that they're going to give them resources. The, 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 um, the NRCC will, will maybe in some cases match what's raised by the candidate right? and then give them also a platform and resources from NRCC um, from what they can provide in, yeah. in order to help the campaign. They, they see this as one of the uh, seats that they can take. I, I think with proper effort and strategy and, and respect for the entire district mm-hmm. that, yes, it can be won. Um, but it's not going to take just money. It's going to take a strong grassroots effort. Yeah, yeah. It's going to take so a lot there's of money. there's another there's other candidates in this race that have built a a semi strong grassroots network, and that would be who guys? Frank Howard. Frank Howard is riding on Bajino's um, platform. Yeah. They they're they're friends. Uh, I'm assuming. Yeah, he was his former chairman. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for a couple of months. And then because and then Frank ran last time in Montgomery last two years ago in 2014. Uh, and earned 16,399 votes in the general election, and I believe that's more than any Republican in Montgomery County running for state office at the time, aside from in a statewide race or in a state district. And that's that Frank, grassroots support, you know. You don't, Frank went out and knocked a lot of doors. Exactly, and that 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 says that. Um, you know, I, I hate to be. It's not maybe the greatest uh, uh, comparison, but I, I would I would compare the voters of. Of, of of CD6 to 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 like the Iowa, the New Hampshire of Maryland. These guys, you have to go and you have to tell them why they need to vote for you, right. and, and they'll remember you. Uh, Frederick County, it always comes back to me because that's where I worked. I mean, there were de- there were Republicans who voted for for um, now uh, County um, uh, Jan Gardner yeah. because of their their opposition to the the the, the Monrovia, Monrovia Town, Town Center that Blaine was associated with. So. I mean, these guys are Republicans voting for a Democrat over one issue. Yeah, there was a lot of steering. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm yeah. sure there there was some other... But the, my point is you have to show them the respect. You have to go and earn their vote. Um, and the grassroots apparatus that Frank Howard and David vote have, um, do them do them a service because they're going to need it come primary yeah, time. Let's talk about David Vogt. A first-term delegate has run before for Congress, but ultimately bowed out uh, in January of 2014. Um, he ran against Dan Bongino. He started running in 2013. And when 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 David first started running, there was sort of an adverse reaction from many supporters of Dan Bongino because, look, you want to go into the primary and you want to clear it out, right? <laughs> and Dan has that capability. That's I mean, right. he, he has a very strong presence. He has strong issues. Um, he's a um, he's a he's a, he's a gifted a figure. a figure, you know, a guy who you, and, he walks in the room and you kind of stop what you're doing you know, to look uh, over. Yeah, you know, I, and I, national I, figure. And I talked and I told him up front what he's going to face. Dan had already been running for three years. He had grassroots. Yeah. He had money. He had backing. He and he, he went into a difficult situation. He did. Yeah. He did. But he um, he ran a. He, he ran an honorable campaign, and then he dropped out and endorsed Dan Bongino in 2014. And then, but but he also did something else that um, I have to give him a lot of credit for. Uh, I mean, he went, and what did he do? He ran for office again. That's right. Yeah. And he won. And he won. And he won. He ran with um, the the slate, right? It was uh, it was part of the slate. That was the Huff running for for Senate. Um, uh, Kathy Abzali, Barry Celebrity, and then David Vogt, um, and that was it was it was a, it was a decent slate, you know, it was, it was a good job. But uh, now they're all elected. They're all that all those guys are now sitting in elected official uh, elected office somehow. Yeah, so. and so um, we also had uh, a candidate that was interested in not to, who I think would have brought a lot of substance to the race, um, Dr. Tom Furlman, who is the president uh, of Change Montgomery County, and Dr. Furlman is a, is a strong community activist here in Montgomery County, and he is someone that would have brought a much different and diverse coalition of people together, and um, he decided not to run, um, and uh, I have talked to, to, to my friend Tom many, many occasions, and uh, I know that he is going to be out there uh, working hard to uh, bring new Republicans in the party and, and help advance conservative principles. And so um, I'm interested to learn some more about the other candidates. Um, 
So Harold Painter, he ran again. He ran. He's running again. And I had an opportunity to interview Harold, and he was very substantive. I got to tell you, he impressed me. Like he really spent. He 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 did a video up in Cumberland, and he spent like 26 minutes looking at the camera and running down serious policy positions and policy solutions. And so I think you're going to see him tonight connect with people, especially up in Western Maryland. And look, let's take note. We're in Montgomery County, and we're going to see there's going to be an overarching Montgomery County sentiment because, you know, people up in Western Maryland, they don't always trust Montgomery County. And, no. and okay, fine. And uh, Montgomery County is just polar opposite than Frederick County. And, you know, it's an all-democratic county council. Um, there's, it's a, it's, there's, there's over a million people here, and it's just very, very different. You go 50 miles where I grew up in Hagerstown, yeah. it's a different feeling, isn't it, Andrew? I mean, I could say, you could say that about every single county here in Maryland. I mean, I would say every county in Maryland is unique to itself. And I think that, you know, in order to understand that, that's why you have to go into each county as it's of a different state. It's a different area. You have to sort of tailor yourselves to the Montgomery County voters, to the Frederick County voters, to Washington, to Allegheny, and, and to Garrett in a different way than you would in any of the other counties. And the, the, the approach is, is still the same, but you just have to change the way that you're doing it. So, What's the strategy to win against Delaney, guys? Mark, what do you think? What's, what's, one, of the, what's one of the ways that... Uh, you're going to have to show difference. Yeah. You're just going to highlight it. You have to go after him when you have to go. And the ge- like, like his Iran vote. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, he. His vote, you know, he preaches for, you know, uh, voting, voting for go, supporting veterans, and you look at his votes, and they're just complete opposite. What What were some of the issues that Dan Bongino hit John Delaney during the last election? The economy, is, and it's still there. It's is, is John Delaney an out-of-touch... I mean, here's, here's, here's the criticism, that John Delaney, who lives down in Potomac, and look, and I, in full disclosure, there's two other candidates who live outside of the district, yeah. um, Ami and Frank, and, the, and Ami also lives down in Potomac. Three she li- doors down. Three doors. Three doors. Not that, it, not that we're counting, but, <laughs> but, there's a, but I think there's also a yearning, too, that some people expect that the candidate, the nominee, should be from the western part of the district. So is there an argument? Is it a problem that a candidate lives outside of the district, even though that it's constitute that constitutionally someone's eligible? Dan Bongino what, 50 miles outside of the, the nearest district line. Is well, it a problem, it Andrew? It seems that it's not. <laughs> well, I mean, do you, you care? Look at the look at the way it's painted. You know, what's yeah, the matter? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really, no, you the, we are the most gerrymandered state in Maryland, <laughs> and so, I mean... But going back to what you were saying about what could beat Delaney, um, I think one thing that Republicans and volunteers and campaigns to the president, if you can tie Delaney's uh, agenda to the president's agenda and kind of match them together, the president, I was watching a thing on the news this morning, independents are agreeing with the Republicans on many policy issues, including the Second Amendment, this whole gun um, grab resonating well with independence included, you know. So if you can tie the president to Delaney, match, match them up on policy issues, and do that whole Delaney-Obama agenda um, kind of approach, then I think you can do well. Um, yeah, you know, I, I'm reading one of his, his tweets here where he announces his uh, his uh, support for uh, grab. And the executive orders. The, the executive How order. are they constitutional? They're not, and they'll get held up in the courts. And, and, but for now, it's you know the executive order. And so, what do you think tonight? I think tonight this is you're gonna let's. I want to talk about. Let's prognosticate and predict what's going to happen tonight. Okay? okay. Among the candidates, I think you're going to hear serious questions about the economy, and I think you're going to hear questions about. Uh, I think you're going to hear questions about how we can improve the infrastructure in Montgomery County and Western Maryland, and especially up in Hagerstown, 270. I mean, that's a major problem up in I-81. I think you're going to hear questions very specific about national security, the right way to protect our country without sacrificing our liberties. I think you're going to hear questions about the NSA, and I think you're going to hear questions about how we're going to 
try to pinpoint what kind of Republicans are on stage tonight. Are you a moderate Republican, national security Republican? Are you a economics. economics? Are you a fiscal? Are you a libertarian? I think the questions will be engineered to find out exactly who these candidates are and where they side on the Republican spectrum. And I, I think that you're going to hear serious policy questions. I am afraid, however, that the debate may turn – I hope it doesn't turn into a – where they throw mud. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know. you know, And we all, we're all thinking of the same person who might do that, but let's hope that they stick to policy. And that's part of the – from what I understand, that's part of the rules. There will no be fashion or you get thrown. So. I mean, do you, do you think that the moderator is going to eject them? That's part of the rules. And I would I would hope that they I would hope there's some proper decorum. The decorum. And that's the key word is that we are Republicans, we have some disagreements, right. but nonetheless, we want to keep it above board. Let's let's talk about our ideas, put them on the table, and look, this is a friendly group. You're in front of Republicans, but just remember, you're going to there's going to be in later this year, you know, beginning in what October, mm-hmm. September, mm-hmm. you're going to be in front and what are ideas that are going to win over Democrats and win over the John Delaney voters? What are those ideas? What what ideas that Republicans can win on that we can win over the Democratic voters? We're, well, it's got to be the economy. The one yeah. thing for local between wages and the cost of living. Right. So wages aren't going up, and they're not – you know, there's this whole thing about, you know, jobs, jobs, jobs. Where they work. Government doesn't create jobs. No. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, so that's Some number jobs. one. Is the whole, and we haven't talked about the participation, how the job participation has decreased. So uh, if, 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 they can, if, if Republicans in the general can talk to Democrats about uh, how to make their way of life better, you know, what has changed for you in the last eight years? Has your life gotten better under eight years of Democratic leadership? Yeah. Um, those are the kinds of questions. Are you, now, are you, you better off now? Ago. Those are the kinds of questions that a Democrat can hmm, Maybe I'm not. Maybe I should try out a different way. If, if if any of these candidates have a vision as to why they can, a Democrat can vote for them, I think the number one thing they have to talk about is the economy. My yeah, pocket. I I believe that, Mark. And I, I think national security at this point with ISIS. Right. And, 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 oh, yeah. my gosh. No, Saudi Arabia. Arabia. Yeah. I mean, Saudi Arabia. And, you know, gun, gun control um, now coming to the forefront of that. The president trying to tie gun control with terrorism. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand that, fellas. Uh, we're 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 millennials. Mark's not a millennial. That's okay. I'm sort of. I guess I'm sort of not a. Well, I'm 30, so I might not be classified as a millennial. I don't know what. I don't know. I'm like uh, a bilennial. So. Um, I'm an old guy. Yeah, yeah. No, you're not an old guy. But so we're many of us, many of us young Republicans, we're concerned issues, and we're also concerned that that we can have a proper sense of security and that we can protect our nation, but without violating the Constitution. And one of those issues that I'm concerned about is being the world policeman. And so, and, and Congress has incredible power. They can vote to go to war. They can allocate money to uh, the, the military, and, and which we want a strong military. But, guys, I, I don't believe in nation building. I don't think that it has proven to be an effective strategy for the United States. Iraq, the question should be, you know, was is Iraq a mistake? And knowing what we knew then, m- maybe not. But now looking at it and seeing the aftermath and the consequences, it's easy to be a Monday morning, morning quarterback. But still, I think you're, they're going to find tonight the candidates that are looking at can we have a a sensible farm of a a massive. Uh, an interventionist foreign policy. You know, we're going to find out the Marco Rubio Republicans as compared to the, say, the the Ted Cruz Republicans or some of the uh, the Rand Paul. I'm a Rand Paul guy. You guys all. Right, right, right. I'm a Rand Paul guy. I, I'm really? A, <laughs> <laughs> I'm unapologetic about that. That's okay. But um, no. No, I mean, make America great, though, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, and I and I think that. Do you think there's going to? Speaking of that, speaking of Donald Trump. Do you think there's going to be some questions about Trump? I hope not. not this has nothing to do with Trump. You know, this is CDC. Well, it's a national vision. I mean, what do you think? I mean, could you say, would there be a question thrown out tonight? Which Republican candidate running for president do you most closely align to? Okay, okay if, if, if the question actually was, um, I'd say I support all Republicans. Would you? Would you? <laughs> so would you? Um, Except Donald Trump. 
would any of these candidates be willing to model themselves after Trump in order to gain support? Different way. Yeah. It does not as effective. <laughs> no, I mean. Um, you know, get, get the voter sentiment, the the the, the, the um, silent majority kind of. It, that could be a smart way to to, to gain a base of following, tell you, though, tapping on people's frustrations. A lot of people up in Western Maryland support Donald Trump. I'm not making a statement by that, but I'm saying that I've I, I see the pulse of Western Maryland. And what Donald Trump is tapping into is is them, and yeah. I'm not, and that's not a pejorative. That's well, saying listen, that, that there's there's people that are that are seriously angry and pissed off. They're fed up, and, and they've been forgotten. John Delaney listened to his constituents. Did he listen to his constituents when he voted on the Iran deal? I interviewed John. I mean, and and I'll say this about John. John's a really nice guy. Uh, the congressman is a good man. He's a smart guy. He's a prudent man, and I genuinely like him as a person. And I think he has also done some good things for Montgomery County and for the district. But I also think between Western Maryland and Potomac, Maryland, and I think that he's going to have a problem this time, and I think that depending on who we nominate – it's going to trickle down as who the national party nominates. I think you could make the case, the Republicans can make the case that he's an out of touch candidate. Yeah. 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 What do you guys? Is there a candidate? I mean, if if, if we put up, a, a, you know, we put up Robin Ficker, could we win the general election? I don't know. And I'm asking you guys. I, I mean, Robin no. has attacked me very much personally, and it's like. Okay, um, I'm just not going to go there, but I'm just saying that um, he's he's sort of known. He's a strong Republican. He's a, he's, a, he's an intimidator. He tries to intimidate to get to get across. And, and that a bully. Work. Yeah, he's a bully. Yeah. Bully me. He's and not going to. Nor the voters in in District Six. It boils down to you need a and one that yes has financial necessary. Fundraising base, right. and that even speaks more. If you have a good fundraising base, guys donating two hundred dollars and under. How much? How much money is this going to take to win this race? Well, the two, primary? Two, 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 three million dollars. Two to three million. Thinking, yeah. yeah, at least for the entire. Do we thing. do we know a candidate that can on our side that could do that? I mean, there's only one. You know that. So we're saying tonight. I mean, we're that Ami Hober is. The, the the she is raising the money, she's out there working hard. That's right. Um, but you cannot discount no. Frank Howard no. and David Vogt. David Vogt's been endorsed yeah. in the House of Delegates, and he's been discounted before. And he has been discounted, and he won. He proved. And, yeah. I have somebody calling. In. I don't know what this means, but okay. There's an eight one eight number. Hi, welcome. How you doing? It's me, the greatest caller in the history of radio. How you doing? Hello. Hello. Yeah, yes, sir. Me? You're on. You're on with us on a minor detail. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. I know. Did you hear my introduction? No. Um, can I ask who it is? You know, it's me, Bobby in Los Angeles, the greatest caller in the history of radio. Okay, I don't know who this is, but okay, go on. Okay, listen. I'm curious. Um, it le- level with me because I know some hosts on Blog Talk Radio don't um want some debate or stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, if I just give you a little debate, is that okay or is that not allowed? If you want, if I have a little debate, just some things I yep, want to go ahead. Know. Is that okay? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, uh, if you don't mind me asking, are you guys all registered Republicans? Are we all registered Republicans? Yes. yes. Okay. Um, if the party spends money like crazy and builds up the government like crazy and doesn't, you know, protect the borders, which are things conservatives and Republicans want. I mean, you know, with, even when Bush was in power, you know, they gave billions of dollars to Pakistan. Um, you know, Bush was friendly with Saudi Arabia. And, of course, there's the Iraq War, which was horrible. Okay. Why, why, if they're not doing conservative things, they're not conservatives, having Mitt Romney, John McCain, George Bush, mm-hmm. who are not true conservatives for the definition of a conservative, if that's the definition of a conservative, right. why keep supporting that party? Isn't that a little hypocrisy, especially if you guys, I don't well, know if you guys are that, doing it, but if, if you're criticizing the left then? 
so what kind of repo- – I mean is there a Republican that would be more, more palpable to you? Because that's why – I mean I, I share some of your concerns there. Um, my concern is is that we have to nominate somebody that has – that is a conservative but that also can, can approach realistic problems. And uh, you know that's why I support Rand Paul. So um, I can't speak mm-hmm. for the other panelists here. But I mean, do you? What do you? What do you think? I mean, is 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 my choice of Rand Paul? Would that be outside of your scope of comfort, comfortability? I actually, I'll take it as, um, on a different note. Actually, I think the most consistent conservative, at least from the people who are running for president, was Dr. Ron Paul, his father. Oh, um, yeah. And a lot of people who were Republicans and conservatives did not support him. So my my issue is not who do you like. You know, if you like Bush, you like Romney, you like John right. McCain, you like Rand Paul. That that's fine. But it's mm-hmm. about it's about hypocrisy and consistency. If well, if people well, on the right criticize the left for not being mm-hmm. conservative, and then right. they themselves are the same people who keep going for non-conservative people, isn't that hypocrisy? No, I understand, and I feel that. I mean, that's a sentiment, um, and I think we're looking for a, a consistent conservative and a practical Republican. Um, but let me ask you: you're from you say you're from California. Uh, the, the greatest city in America, Los Angeles. The greatest state in America, California. Oh man, I've never been there, but uh, I, I'm, I'm aching. So let me ask you this: Do you know much about Maryland's sixth congressional district? Uh, I don't really know. I don't. Baltimore, Maryland. Okay. The Baltimore Orioles. No, actually, we're we are we are inside of um, we're right outside of Washington D.C. And we have a sliver of a huge sliver of Montgomery County, which is one of the richest counties in the entire country. Um, and then we have Frederick County, Maryland, Frederick City, um, and we go all the way up to Hagerstown, Maryland, all the way up into the uh, the mountains of Allegheny and Garrett. So it's a very rural district. It's a we you know the biggest industry in several of the counties is agriculture. And look, I mean, we have it's it's a wealthy district represented by the third wealthiest congressman um, in the country. So. Um, you know, the Republicans are going to have to find a candidate that's going to be able to compete financially, grassroots, and being able to intellectually compete with this guy. Because let's face it, our congressman, John Delaney, is a really smart guy. Okay, but uh, but in terms of um, – uh, can I ask, why, why do you stay um, registered as Republican? Why chain yourself to the party? Why don't just – No, and that's, <laughs> that's a great question. Why, why – when they sometimes don't represent our, our values, well – I think the answer to that, to that question is because that the two-party system, unfortunately, is the only pathway and vehicle to being, um, you know, to pursuing serious policy change and elected ideas. I mean, you may disagree with that, but I mean, I think that that I'm looking at it from the practical side. Of it. Okay, no, I understand that. So, can I ask? Um, uh, it is a practical question. I think uh, you can tell mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong. I'm, I'm, I, I want to be respectful and open-minded and stuff. Um, if if as the years go by and they keep electing people who are not again the definition of what you guys want as conservative and they're not yeah. doing conservative things, how many times do you guys let it go to the point where you can say, you know what, maybe we I'm should done. stop at the least registering Republicans? <laughs> um, I'll, you know what, that's a great. I'll turn it over to my colleague Eric. Um, good. good. Put that back and compare. Um, because I don't always agree with Republicans. I like to pick and choose, and I call myself a fiscal conservative. I'll kind of flip that question onto Democrats as well and and, and ask how long um, will we vote and pick the same leadership in cities like Baltimore City, where, which is the closest city to us, that has had decades of Democratic leadership and uh, continues to grow more corrupt by the year. Um, nothing neighborhoods have stayed the same. And I, I'm a black man talking about issues. So, you know, I started off supportive of liberal ideas, and now as I've grown and, and seen how those policies affected me and people in my race and people in communities um, that are less underserved, you know, underserved I'd have to say that it goes both ways, and you know we have to check the power on, on whomever's in charge. It and, and we have to hold the standard is there regardless. Yeah. So, like, like for example, when uh, when many Republicans and conservatives criticize Obama, Hillary, and the left, um, I'm not saying there's no difference. I know there are differences in politics, but in general, aren't they pretty much the same two parties, Democrats and Republicans? I mean, what's the big differences between them? Sure, I mean there's some fundamental differences there, but uh, 
I mean, there's there's there is definitely fundamental differences. I mean, if you look at economic policy, what uh, what uh, no, Bernie just, Sanders just, just real quick. So, uh, sorry to cut you off. I'm sorry, just real quick. I I know the what the official differences are, but yeah. in reality, what differences do Republicans do that are different than Democrats? Yeah. In no, general, I hear you. I don't mean all in general. In general. Well, listen, caller. I unfortunately I I want to shift back to the sixth district because that's what we're, we're we're hosting a show tonight. But I certainly appreciate uh, you calling in. Um, I want to bring back in Andrew. I didn't mean to cut the guy off, but we're we're, we're talking about a little bit something. That call, yeah. and that was very thoughtful. I mean, that was you know, where, where's the future of the party going to, and why would we stay Republicans when they sometimes disagree? You know, when many of us disagree. So, guys, what are you thinking tonight? Are we who's who's uh, who's going to win this thing? Who's going to win the party? Uh, well, I, I I don't like to talk about. Um, yeah. I, I don't like to really say who wins and loses debates. I think debates are, are more... It's hard to gauge that, isn't it? Because well, yeah, we haven't seen it. Yeah. Well, yeah, that too. I mean, you know, there's there's the money and then all of that and, you know, how, and who has what money and, and where they stand now. Um, but it's a different topic when it comes to expressing ideas and what you really have to say. Um, I'll wait for the reaction of the crowd and then I'll say who wins. <laughs> yeah. Because it's really going to be driven by questions from the audience through Twitter. It, that's right. It's going to be they're, they're going to they're going to submit questions via Twitter via you know the social media. Yeah. And write in. Yeah. But so so does that open up the possibility for some oddball questions? It, it, it could. I think there's going to be a filter. I mean, what the do moderator you, should filter out yeah. crazy questions. Right. Uh, but pertinent uh, questions should be should be asked. But I right. think you know within. Ask a few of those. Oh yeah, absolutely. They're gonna ask a few. And I, I think that what debates are good for is that they they separate the cream from the. Cream. That's they right. they let you know, okay, who's who can the, handle this? Yeah, who's who's the person that's just going to schmooze their way in the office, and who's the person that can actually sit down, talk about the issues with the voters, and not crack under pressure? Because debates, that's what it's all for: is who can relay the message and the it's, best. It's fact. more of a test of charisma and, and preparedness. Right. Than it is. It's hard to do that. I mean, it, it is. It I is. mean, you're you're up on stage and thinking about like a hundred different things, right. all these policy ideas mm-hmm. going through your head, and then you're thinking, well, I got to be likable too. And, and like, you know, but, but if you think about it, but right. if you think about it, the most comfortable person, and the, and you know, that's why I like maybe a David vote in this mm-hmm. because he he has spoken in front of you know the, the House chamber. Yes, he's spoken in front of crowds and he's spoken in front of meetings, so, and, and he knows policy. Yeah, um, so. Yeah. And so does Frank Howard, and right. exactly. and so does Ami Hover, and that's why I think we consistently classify them. And 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 you and like I said, we just saw we just and and Terry Baker has been a three-time elected county commissioner from Washington County, and I mean these guys have a record of getting elected and 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 and, and doing and, and like it or not, Terry Baker has run a fiscally responsible county. He has put forth a fiscally responsible budget, and he has done many many great things. In Washington County, that would qualify him to run for this office, and there's no doubt. But that's the difference between a good candidate, someone who can win, and uh, and a good candidate. We want someone. I mean, as, as as Republicans, we want a good candidate, but ultimately, we want someone that can win, because it's a numbers game and it's a winning mm-hmm. game. If we want our pol- if we want what we want in D.C., yeah. you know, good candidate can can. I don't want to say go out the door, but we we want someone that can hold up an office. Yes. So their background needs to. Someone can win ultimately and, uh, come uh, come November. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so some of the lesser known candidates that are going to be here tonight are Chris Mason. We're going to get a chance to hear from him. Uh, we're going to get a chance to hear from Dr. Scott Chang. Um, and you know, do you think that their performance this evening? Do you think it's going to move the dial? I mean, how many people are going to see this? It could I'm going to broadcast. Right. It, it potentially could have an, an impact on some yeah. of the lesser-known candidates, I would say, who have put their hat in the ring but haven't gotten the same type of platform or same type of voice that other candidates have because then, again, it comes down to the money issue and everything else. Right, right, right. So this gives them a way to connect with voters that they wouldn't normally get to connect with, you know, outside of the debate platform. So I think, you know, there's a lot to see kind here. Kind of like the Fiorina effect, you know. She didn't get much. Exactly. And then when she, then it blew up. And she finally got a platform. Now, all... You also have to say that it's gone back down. It's cooled back down. You have to keep going. So you have to continually produce um, things that people want to hear. Exactly. And I want to hear some 
plans about which department agencies we could eliminate <laughs> and start seriously cutting our national budget and reducing our deficit. And I want to hear how Republicans are going to be able to work across the aisle with Democrats because we can't just stick to one party and then think it's going to work. We have we have a complete standstill in Washington now, and and I feel like half of this country is totally split. And I, I wanna I want someone to represent our district that is gonna be able to work on legislation, serious policy, and not just be a placeholder and not just be a uh, or as we called it in uh, the Tillis race to Kay Hagan, a rubber stamp. A rubber stamp. <laughs> we want somebody that's gonna be a fighter, we want somebody that's not going to um, rubber stamp the establishment. And there's an establishment in the Republican Party. That's right. Okay, the the guys that are gonna you know how they're gonna vote every time. They're going to walk in there. They're not going to be a. Um, I, they're not going to be a fire. I mean, I, I like the fi- I like edgy people. I Think like of the Freedom Caucus guys. I like. I love the guy uh, Justin Amash. Uh, yeah. Love him. And, um, and I, I like Thomas Massey. And yeah. I like um, Jim Jordan. Jim, Jim Jordan. Jordan. Yeah. Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan's great guy. Jim Jordan and who? Uh, uh, um, Raul Labrador from uh, Utah. And can't forget the congressman I work for, Bill Posey. Bill Posey. He's in the Freedom Caucus. Yeah, there. yeah. I mean, some of these. I mean, I like a congressman with some character. Yeah. And I think that if we elect them, and you know, I electing a, a Frank Howard or a David Vote or an Ami Hober or a Terry Baker, um, and and you know, look, throw Robin Ficker in there. She would have a character. Hey, you I mean, would. could you imagine his House floor speeches? <laughs> I don't think I want to put that picture. I mean, he it. would. Uh, I think he, you know, and you know how they speak from the well of the House of Representatives. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Robin just walked up and took the gavel and took the speaker's seat. Um, but look, we're looking for people that have serious ideas and that are going to work to solve serious problems. And depending on who we elect as our next president, and think about this. On, on the strategic opposition side, John Delaney is very closely tied to the Clinton family. And so think about the general election. Every time that Republicans have the opportunity to tie John Delaney into the Clintons, I would take that. Same with Obama. It's the it's same the type same. of factor. Yep. Tie him to the record that is not putting this country on the right track and tie him to the records that, you know, what is preceding him in the House floor. Yeah. You need someone who's going to be pragmatic. He's going to work with the people in Western Maryland, not just adhere to the people in Montgomery County. You need someone who's going to listen to all the voters, not just a certain yeah. And I think we've had that for too long since Roscoe left office. Well, was forced to leave office by gerrymandering. One of the biggest issues tonight that you're going to hear, I would imagine immigration. It's gotten a lot of play in yes. this campaign. Yeah. And Donald Trump has brought that issue out um, and has taken a, a hardline stance. And I think we're going to see the candidates answer those questions. You know, is there a immigration? I mean, so what's the – I mean, how can we – how can we ensure that the people in our country are illegally follow the laws of the land and the books that you know the the laws that are written? Right, exactly. You know, I, I think it's interesting to note that no one was talking about immigration no. until Trump brought it up. He did, but and I will say that one person did, and she's not my biggest fan. Laura Ingram wrote an article before the election even started, before candidates even announced, that immigration will be the top issue in this election. And I didn't really believe her. I didn't think that. I was like, I mean, it's a big deal to Americans, but it's not the forefront of our issue, like national yeah. security and jobs, taxes, and the economy. But it, it's grown well, to be probably, yeah. I'd say, the How biggest contributor to the election, if not with jobs and the economy as well. It's reporter Luke Peck. Um, so we have a minute and 45 minutes left, guys. We Avenel Strategies is going to have a big year. I'm really impressed by... Uh, how much we have to look forward to, and I think that this debate is going to be interesting tonight. We're going to broadcast it. I'm going to I'm going to record it and then post it live on a minor detail. And uh, guys, Eric, Mark, Andrew, thanks for coming on tonight. This was great. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Yeah. So um, you know, thinking about this debate tonight, I'm looking forward to policy, substance, clear answers. I'm looking for pithy answers, but I want to be and go home knowing that these candidates are truly going to represent our values in the United States House of Representatives. I want someone that's going to be attached to the district. I want somebody that's going to feel comfortable with setting up an office up in Hagerstown, Maryland, up in Cumberland, Maryland. I want people that are going to represent all facets of this district and be able to put put out their policies and stick to their guns. And what I don't want to hear is pandering. I don't want to hear any of that. I want to hear, tell me what you really feel. If you believe, if you believe in your heart of hearts a certain issue, 
Give it to us straight, you know? Tell me what you really feel. That's what America is desperately yearning for. That's why a Donald Trump is doing so well. He's perceived as being genuinely authentic, whether or not, but he, that is the perception. It is for that reality. And the reality is that we have 15 seconds left, and I want to say thank you to everyone who decided to listen in this evening. Thank you to Eric, Mark, Andrew. You guys were great. We're looking forward to a spirited debate tonight, and I hope that you take away something from this podcast as well. Thank you, and good. It's a wrap. It's a wrap.